Coming up, discussing which D-backs players are under the most pressure after the Dalton Varsho trade, then part two with Lindsey Crosby of Locked on MLB Prospects, and he tells us if a rotation can be anchored by multiple rookies, tells us his favorite offseason move so far, and so much more on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. <laughs> Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there. You can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Lockdown Diamondbacks on Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks, your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. And one of those places your friends need to go to is YouTube because Locked on Dimebacks is on YouTube, of course. Getting very close to 300 subscribers. Want to hit 300 by the new year, so please hit subscribe to the Locked on Dimebacks podcast if you want to see my very handsome mug. But on today's podcast, we got part two with Lindsey Crosby discussing more from the Varsho trade, discussing our rookies in the rotation in the offseason in general. But before we get there, I first want to talk, do a little solo segment on the Dalton Varsho trade and discuss which D-backs players are under the most pressure for 2023 after that Dalton Varsho trade. Because I think there's three clear players in the lineup that really need to, to that really need to perform in 2023 to show that they're a true foundational piece for the D-backs going forward, or at least showing that they should be kept around in Arizona and they could be a meaningly a meaningful contributor to this D-back team because they may not be a foundational piece, but at least show that they got some value. Maybe they're just showing that they got value for other teams. Maybe it's not even showing that they have value to the D-backs any longer. Maybe they just have pressure to perform in 2023 to raise their own value so they could be traded somewhere else for their own sake and to help the D-backs out and get a good return back. So let's talk about those three players under the most pressure for the D-backs in 2023. And the first player I want to discuss is Alec Thomas, because Alec Thomas was, what, the top three prospect in the D-backs organization entering last season. He was a top 100 prospect in all baseball, according to MLB.com. He was considered someone with a pretty high floor because of his defense, a solid hit tool, elite speed. And Alec Thomas, he showed a lot of those tools his rookie season this past year. Played a lot of center field, 113 games, definitely showed off some wheels, did show elite defense, but the hitting wasn't exactly consistent for Alec Thomas, only batted 231 with a 619 OPS, definitely needs to improve at the plate, and for Alec Thomas, this trade puts a lot of pressure on him to show that he's a true foundational piece and to show that his ceiling that we thought it could be as a prospect is legit, because when you trade a guy like Dalton Varsho, 
That's power. That's speed that's going away. And for Alec Thomas, he's not really going to replace that power that Dalton Varsho has. But he can replace the speed. He can replace the defense. And if he can reach 90% of his offense ceiling, he can replace the production through getting on base, creating havoc on the bases, and loading up on the doubles. He's not going to have the over-the-fence power that Dalton Varsho has, but he can definitely make it up with some gap power. So... Alec Thomas, it's going to be a huge year for him without Dalton Varsho out because we know Thomas can do it from a defensive standpoint. We know he's got a high floor there, but does he have a ceiling? Can he be a true offensive contributor in this lineup? What he can do from an offensive standpoint because this is someone that has the, has the skills and the makeup to be someone that is a table setter at the top of the lineup. He's someone that should be leading off the game, hitting doubles, getting on second base to lead off an inning, and then maybe stealing third or going from second to home on a single. Alec Thomas should be creating havoc on the bases, stealing 20-plus bases, being around 300 hitter with 30 to 40. 40 doubles this season he should just be a really quality player maybe he's not an all-star but if he can prove this season that he's a really high quality major leaguer above average major leaguer borderline all-star maybe he doesn't have to do that at all maybe he doesn't have to do it all this season be the total package this year but he definitely has to progress and take a leap forward and show that he's getting better because a big reason you're okay trading Dalton Varsho is because you have such a logjam of outfielders, and Alec Thomas is one of those outfielders. So the D-backs are going to need him to hit because you don't trade a quality outfielder that's as young as Dalton Varsho if you don't believe in Alec Thomas. And the same goes for this second player, who is Jake McCarthy, because for Jake McCarthy, he's also a former first-round pick. We didn't talk about him a ton entering last season, but we definitely we definitely had to talk about McCarthy by the end of the year because he had himself a breakout season with the D-backs in only 99 games, the 283 average, a 769 OPS, 23 stolen bases, one of the league leaders in sprint speed, and the pressure is on Jake McCarthy. Um, maybe it's a little bit less than Alec Thomas because Alec Thomas was regarded as such a highly touted prospect, so... I think the pressure is a little bit more on him because you were a top 100 prospect. You disappointed a little bit as your rookie season. So we want to see if you are a true foundational piece after trading away a young outfielder in Dalton Varsho. For Jake McCarthy, he's got probably a little bit more wiggle room to work with in terms of the pressure added on his shoulders. But the fact that he broke out in such a big way last season, like it was a big reason why the D-backs were trading away Dalton Varsho and why they felt okay to do so because it's like you got this extra gem, this extra diamond in the rough that you didn't really anticipate to start the year but because Jake McCarthy played so well in 2022 he kind of stole Dalton Varsho's job and made not Dalton Varsho expendable but you're like okay Varsho's this really good outfielder that other teams want we already have three good outfielders that included Jake McCarthy we're okay trading away a position of strength in Dalton Varsho away for a position of need in Gabriel Moreno so the Dalton Varsho trade part of it was able to come together because Jake McCarthy was so good this past season if Jake McCarthy doesn't have the breakout season in 2022 then we probably don't have this Dalton Varsho trade so that's why it's such a big deal that Jake McCarthy had that success last year and that's why there's so much pressure on him going into going into 2023 because if McCarthy's 2022 season was a fluke and let's say he's only like 80% of the player we saw in 2022 in 2023 
next season, then you're going to look at that Varshon trade and be like, man, the ceiling of this team is just not as high. Alec Thomas still trying to figure it out. Jake McCarthy, maybe not the breakout star that we thought he was going to be. Maybe it was a one-year wonder for Jake McCarthy. Now it's like, all right, Corbin Carroll, we like him. We trust him. We see superstar run all over. But now it's like, are Jake McCarthy and Alec Thomas really the, really the answers in the two other outfield spots? It would be a big question mark if Jake McCarthy is not able to at least replicate the production we had from this past season. Like Jake McCarthy doesn't have to take another step forward, but if he can at least replicate the season he just had over the course of 140 games, like Jake McCarthy next year is just putting up 280 average again, 750 OPS, and then like 32 stolen bases, 12 home runs, and just being just wreaking havoc at the top of your lineup or just once again coming through in all the big clutch situations, then you would definitely take that from Jake McCarthy and you would feel like the Dalton Varsho trade is not too bad in that scenario. And then the last player under a lot of pressure for the D-backs entering next season after the Varsho trade is undoubtedly Carson Kelly because right now, early reports from Mike Hazen seem to be that Carson Kelly is going to be the starting catcher for the D-backs in 2023. It sounds like Gabriel Moreno will open the season as the backup, but we kind of saw this with Carson Kelly in 2019 when he came on the scene because he was the pseudo backup the first half of the season with Alex Avila and Ryan Murphy, but by the second half with Carson Kelly having an absolute breakout season, the D-backs had to reshuffle the lineup and make Carson Kelly basically the starter for the whole second half of the season. So that could happen with Carson Kelly and Gabriel Moreno here. If Carson Kelly doesn't perform well and Gabriel Moreno continues what he did in the small sample size last year over the course of a full sample size in 2023, then Moreno will seal the job from a Carson Kelly. Or even if Carson Kelly performs well like it could be a situation where there's pressure on Carson Kelly because he's also fighting for his own career not just in the D-backs locker room but for around Major League Baseball so if Carson Kelly performs well with the Gabriel Moreno backing him up then the D-backs can say you know what we got this young guy Moreno we have other positions of need Carson Kelly's playing well. It's actually time to sell high on Carson Kelly. He's still a solid catcher, still has some untapped offensive potential. There's going to be other teams that want him, and it's going to be a lot easier to trade a Carson Kelly and get actual value back when he's playing well. So there's pressure on Carson Kelly, not just to not just to perform well because it might keep him in Arizona, and it would be cool to have a Carson Kelly reclamation project along with a Gabriel Moreno, but there's pressure on him to perform well so he can go someplace else, get traded, and be a starting catcher somewhere else because being a starting catcher for the next few years in Arizona doesn't seem like it's in the future cards for Carson Kelly. So he needs to perform well, and the pressure's on him not just to stick around in Arizona, but if he wants to be a starting catcher elsewhere in Major League Baseball. Now, I thought we were going to have time to also look at the projected lineup for the D-backs in 2023, but that might need to be a podcast for another day. So to wrap it up, the three players with the biggest pressure on them for the D-backs in 2023, Alec Thomas, because he was a highly touted prospect that hasn't exactly lived up to expectations yet, and he's going to need to take a step forward to make us feel good about the Dalton Varsho trade. The second player is Jake McCarthy because he had a breakout season, and because of that breakout season, it made it a little bit more digestible to trade to Dalton Varsho because now we have too many players at the outfield position. So without Jake McCarthy at least replicating his season, it's like, why did we ever trade Dalton Varsho? So big pressure on Jake McCarthy. And then the last player is Carson Kelly because 
the headliner in the deal is someone at Carson Kelly's position. He's fighting for his job not only in Arizona, but for other teams across Major League Baseball if he wants to be a starting catcher next season and going forward for the next few years. So big pressure on Carson Kelly as well. And if you want to bet on Gabriel Moreno winning the Rookie of the Year with the D-backs in 2023, you need to head to betonline.net because it's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. I'm telling you right now, just go to BetOnline and place your bet on any D-back to win Rookie of the Year. I'm taking Corbin Carroll and Gabriel Moreno over the National League field next season because Nobody is going to have more talent than those two players with as many opportunities as those two players. So I love I love Corbin Carroll and I love Gabriel Moreno to finish neck and neck in the Rookie of the Year race for 2023. So you need to head to BattleLine.net to place that bet. Lock it in. Carroll and Moreno, one and two National League Rookie of the Year race because you get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and World Cup. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info in. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Looking at the Zips projections, Lindsay, they just dropped. They just did the D-backs, and the D-backs are going to have a lot of rookies in their starting rotation with the Dre Jamesons, the Ryan Nelsons, and then, according to the Zips, the man that they love the most with, like, 150 projected innings, a 3.66 ERA, and supposedly going to be, like, the second-best pitcher, according to War, behind Zach Allen, that is Brandon Fat. So, Lindsay... What do you think about this D-backs young rotation? Can it hold up? I mean, all of them. Ryan Nelson and Dre Jameson had a cup of coffee with the D-backs last year, but it was only like 15 innings. Brandon Fat has yet to debut. Can the D-backs have like a quality rotation anchored by three rookies over the course of the year? Or do you think uh, maybe they should bring in like an extra starter, like another Zach Davies type, and maybe go with like a six-man rotation so you don't have to put this giant workload on three rookies next year? I mean, well, Part of the thing with Strom is he's a fantastic pitching coach, and if anybody can get him ready, he can. But I do think there is merit to acknowledging, hey, we've got three rookies that we're trying to integrate at the big league level. Maybe we're going to plan as if the window starts the next year, and if it happens early, it happens early. And so I think that these guys have the talent. Brandon Fats, a guy I've, 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 I just love to watch him when I get to see him. I mean, big body, 6'4", 230, uh, fastball. He's very aggressive with it as far as when and where he throws it. Uh, he throws both like a, a, a standard four-seam version and he'll throw like a cutter version at, at times. Uh, the slider, I love the movement and it does a good job of making the triangle, right? Having, you know, having the, the you have a vertical component and a horizontal component. Uh, if if the changeup was a little bit better, I'd feel like he could be in the top half of that rotation. I still think there's time to get mm. the changeup there. Uh, but combination of weapons, I like what I watch. I like the fact Brandon Fat can throw a strike wherever he wants to. All four quadrants, especially the fastball. 
Uh, he knows where all those secondary pitches are going. That's not something you see a ton uh, from young pitchers is knowing where everything's going to end up. So if anybody can do it, I feel confident in Brandon Fat. I do like these young pitchers. I do think they need more experience. Uh, I do think a lot of the where the minor league affiliates are and the park factors in some of those parks, they haven't necessarily gotten a true picture of what uh, major league hitters can do to their pitches and to their mistakes. So I do think this year will be interesting as far as a development perspective, but I do love these young pitchers, especially a Brandon Fat. Yeah, and if you're talking about like minor league parks, like Reno is one of those places where, at least from the hitters' perspective, they usually have more juice stats because it's like a high altitude kind of place. So if the minor league pitchers are like struggling mm-hmm. in AAA Reno, maybe that's actually a test case to show. Maybe they're actually better than what we've seen from the underlying numbers because it's like playing in Coors Field as a minor league pitcher when you play for the Reno Aces. But from the Ryan Nelson, Dre Jameson, and Brendan Fats, do long term, do you see them all, all three as like? mid-rotation starters or do you see one of them maybe more as like a reliever being a back-end guy because listen the d-backs are still in desperate need of bullpen arms and not every young pitcher can be your next ace or your next mid-rotation starter some of these guys gonna have to go to the bullpen and be a you know high leverage back-end arm for the d-back so of these three guys do you see any of them that stick out to you as maybe being more of a long-term option for the bullpen or all three options realistic to be starters going forward Nelson's a guy to me that I worry may have to move to the bullpen. He's had below average control issues in his career. It cleaned up a little bit recently. He, um, he, he learned that weird hybrid circle change thing, but I still don't necessarily love anything of his outside of the fastball, the curveball, and the slider. And even those, the curveball and the slider kind of, uh, they don't look the same, but the effectiveness, he doesn't seem to control them both at the same time. He can control the curveball really well, and then he'll lose the feel for that, but he'll get the slider. And so I feel like if he focused fastball, curveball, he could be a pretty effective weapon out of the pin. The other issue you have there is he's still newer to pitching, and so he's still trying to learn more of that. I wonder if that had a component behind the delayed development of the control. But he's the one to me that I felt like, given the physical size, I mean, he's 6'4", but he's under 200 pounds. I feel like he might hold up better to an inning every couple of days than trying to throw five or six innings every five days just because of the lack of size and mass. Uh, he feels like the best bet to be a reliever of those three. But he does throw four pitches. And if he can get that change up to go a little bit better and be a little more consistent with both breaking pitches at the same time, he can still work out as a back of the rotation starter. Like you've got time here. That's the cool thing. Uh, they're going to try him as starting still. But I do think ultimately he probably ends up in the bullpen. Yeah, and I have to check which one. But I think Ron Nelson, the guy who threw mostly fastballs anyway. So he probably would be the better option to be a back run, at back end reliever of all these three guys. But I do want to ask you a philosophical question, yeah. Lindsay, about going back to the Dalton Varsho trade. I know we just talked a lot about prospects, but I do have a philosophical question for you about the trade because I do think it was kind of weird that the D that the Blue Jays were willing to give up like someone that's considered a blue chip consensus top ten prospect in all of baseball. Like I feel like a lot of those times when you see when you see someone giving up a prospect that highly regarded it's usually you're going after the Juan Soto's of the world you're going after the Mookie Betts of the world from the Blue Jays perspective is this the kind of trade that you make when you're giving up a blue chip prospect like that like I love Dalton Varsho as a D-backs fan but I guess if I'm sitting here as a Blue Jays fan I'm kind of shocked to give up a blue chip prospect for someone that hasn't yet made an all-star team 
And today's episode is brought to you by the NHTSA. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's no big deal. What are the odds you get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that can happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of drunk driving. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. I think the two big factors for the Blue Jays in making this trade and getting Varsho is one, their outfield defense had to get better. Last year, they had uh, Gurriel in left, Teoscar Hernandez in right, and George Springer in center uh, when everybody's a right-handed hitter. And so bringing in uh, Kevin Kiermeyer for center, bringing in Varsho for left, moving Springer to right gives you defensively a much better outfield than you had. Varsho gives you a rare left-handed bat in a lineup full of righties. Kiermaier is as well. And then uh, Kiermaier is on a one-year deal, so I think the assumption, just going off of no, no inside information, just speculation, is that Var- they're planning on Varsho for being the center fielder of the future once Kiermaier is out of the picture. But then also, they're kind of in a win-now window. They're going to have to make a decision on Bobachet and Vlad Guerrero soon as far as you know their... They're, in, they're close to arbitration or in arbitration. They're going to be up for contract extension soon. Uh, Matt Chapman, you're going to have to do something there. Uh, and the Yankees spent a bunch of money and didn't appreciably get that much better. The Red Sox are down. The, the Baltimore didn't seem to go for it this year. And so they kind of have identified, we have a window. We have these young players. We have these pitchers. Alex Manoa came up a lot faster than we thought he would. Uh, we have to make a deal to get a piece that can help our team now. And Gabriel Moreno, having two good catchers in front of him, wasn't going to be able to have the impact now. And thankfully, they found a guy with a couple years of control because we've seen deals where you trade a top prospect and you get a guy for a season and a half. So they have four years of our show, and this is their window to try to compete for a World Series. And for them, I, I think it was a pretty good move. I think of the available players they could have gotten to play left field, they by far found the best option in Dalton Varsho with the flexibility of putting him in center if something happens to Kevin Kiermaier. Yeah, and it felt like the D-backs had options because it felt like every locked host in our chat was going after Dalton Varsho in some mm-hmm. way. Any team that needed some offensive defense the from Lockdown Braves to Lockdown Marlins. Yeah, the Astros, I know, are big. Yeah, I know Brett and H-Town. And, they want Brittany on a couple of pods to talk about it. Yeah, and I don't I, I don't really know that anybody else's farm system lined up that well to give you a, a power hit or 
give you a right-handed hitting infielder that could have an impact this year and have plenty of team control like Toronto did without having to take a gamble on somebody who hadn't debuted at all. Now, Moreno doesn't have a ton of time at the big leagues, but he has, he does have at bats. He does have a stat cast profile. Now you can see more about him. And so I think it was one of the safer bets you could have made for an infielder uh, that's still technically a prospect, but barely. Um, so in retrospect, it ended up being a pretty smart move simply because of the, the the options that you had versus the risk you wanted to take on with this main piece of the acquisition. Yeah, I don't know why we don't do like lateral moves in baseball. It's always trade a good player for prospects. Why not, if we were doing the Astros deal, do Varsho for like a Christian Javier or Luis Garcia? They're both around the same age. They're both good young players. Like that would have been a perfect one-for-one swap. D-backs get a young rotation guy yeah. behind Gallon. Astros get a young outfielder. I Like I thought that would have been a perfect deal. Just because when I look at the Blue Jays deal, I'm like, okay, if you're giving up a top prospect to Varsho, does that mean we're underestimating Varsho as a D-backs fan? because we're getting a blue chip prospect like is, is there more to Varsha than what we've seen or the Blue Jays actually like overselling they're selling high on Gabriel Moreno um and actually we shouldn't be taking him in and we are underselling Dalton Varsha so I, I think I just think it's very curious to see um this deal but I think in the end it could be a win-win trade for both sides I think the Guriel aspect getting thrown in there because the D-backs had such a heavy load of left-handed outfielders really makes me feel better about the trade as a whole but before we go Lindsay I did want to throw one last curveball at you just talking about the offseason in general get out the prospects world was there any move that you loved is there any team that you love so far through this offseason you could give me a team or a favorite move what's been your favorite thing about the offseason so far I think it's been the my favorite thing has been like how quickly relatively speaking, the top 25 free agents signed. Like as soon as the mm. first one came off the board, we started seeing everybody sign. And it's all been early in free agency. I remember years when free agency drug out into January and February, and we're getting close to spring training and guys haven't signed. Last year was weird because of the lockout. That was a hectic like 72 hours of everybody signing rapidly. But I just like how quickly everything went. I feel like at this point right now, we have a pretty good idea for the most part of what everybody's team is going to look like next year. And it gives us extra time to look and say, okay, how would my team do against this team? How would my team do against that team? And that's what I like is that we went ahead, got most of the signings done. Uh, and now it's a chance for people like me who want to work on trades and prospect stuff to get to work uh, and see if you can improve on the margins. But all the big free agents are already signed early. And I like that is the stuff to talk about in November yeah. and December. Yeah, I think I've talked about that on other pods. We've seen this sprinkling of like top free agents like week by week. It hasn't been like basketball where it's like every free agent signs in like the first 48 hours, but it's like week by week you get a couple of top free agents here and there because now it's almost January and still talking about Carlos Correa and what's going on with his injury and his physical so there's been news every single week so far this MLB offseason. It's been crazy because, like you said, you go back to that 2019 offseason, Bryce Harper, Manny Machado was still like free agent until like pitchers and catchers were reporting. Yeah. So it's great to see these top free agents coming off the board early and getting paid because there was a, a little pivot point there in the MLB offseason where it's like, are we done with long-term contracts? Is no one getting a deal over seven years anymore? Now it's like, nope, nope. actually everyone's getting plus 50% on what you thought their market value was, plus an 
an extra five years on top of that. So MLB offseason is going crazy. These contracts are going crazy. And we live in a wonderful world right now for Major League Baseball. Lindsay, I am out of questions for you today, sir. Did you have any last ones for me? Uh, just where can the people find you, hear you, support you, all that stuff? Yeah, follow me on social media at CreatorTums24 for my personal account. Type in the little search bar on both Twitter, Instagram, Locked on Dimebacks, and also do it on YouTube because we are live on there as well, Locked on Dimebacks on YouTube. And, of course, we're on all your podcasting platforms. For Dimebacks fans, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can send in your mailbag questions, Locked on uh, Locked on MLB prospects at gmail.com. We do those mailbags every single Monday. Uh, until next time, have a good holiday weekend, guys. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Shout out Lindsey Crosby for hopping on the pod the last couple of days. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. Friday's pod will either have Sully Baseball or it will be a wrap-up pod from the Locked On Sports Today podcast special. So I don't know which podcast is dropping Friday just yet, so I will let y'all know. But thank you for making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day, the Locked On Sports Today podcast. We go behind the scenes and be on the scoreboards with expert insight from our local experts at the lockdown podcast network available wherever you get your podcasts and youtube of course come back friday for more dimex news coverage and insight and as always stay safe stay healthy deuces